Time to get real. I want to see some crazy whizbiz. What's the matter need out of Ding Dong? I want to see some of that whizbiz. Wait, who's starting? Oh, yeah. Um. <laughs> Welcome to the WizBiz podcast. This is a podcast where we discuss Adventure Time, uh, which is a cartoon. And in this episode, we are going to be discussing in particular uh, Season 3, Episode 3, Memory of a Memory, and Episode 4, Hitman. Mm. My name is Eric, and... My name is Alex. And uh, and that is our introduction. Uh, Alex, how's it going? It's going great. Uh, everything's coming up Millhouse. The world is continuing the spin. Um, other things, platitudes, lots of platitudes, platitudes. Uh, lots of lots of words. Uh, how how are you? Uh, I'm good. I'm good. I am uh, back home again after another trip i have once again i just feel like i've been traveling a little bit too much so i'm a little worn out by that um today i got groceries for like the first time in maybe two months i've been gone so much that i haven't been able to buy groceries and stuff so i spent a ton of money on groceries and um and then i had one of those things where i was like man i'm hungry what do i eat and then i stared at my pile of groceries and i couldn't figure it out i do that often yeah yeah yeah. In fact, I did something really stupid yesterday. Um, I cooked uh, some rice in the morning, and I cooked it incredibly well. Like, the rice was just perfect. I figured out, or I finally discovered all of the secrets to cooking Calrose rice. Uh, so it's perfectly fluffy, just sticky enough that you can eat it with chopsticks, etc., etc., etc. So I cooked it, made my breakfast with it. And then completely forgot about it until evening, and I walked into the kitchen, and I was like, oh, shit, there's a pot of rice on the stove that I never put away. So I had to chuck the whole thing. Oh. <laughs> yeah, that sucks. Yeah, yeah. I suppose our audience probably doesn't care. No, I was trying to remember, there's a thing where eating old Chinese food, like old rice, can kill you, and I couldn't remember yeah, what, what yeah. the reasoning behind that, it is. That's the thing, like, you need to you need to refrigerate it as quickly as possible. Yeah. Uh, you or... know what you can tell the audience about? Uh, I was away, too. Uh, I went to oh. the uh, Southwester Writers Retreat thingamabob. That's right. Last How was week. it? Uh, it was good. Um, everything was great. Uh, place was cool. My only complaint is that I was way too large of a human to fit in the RV that I was in. Uh, it's like Were you all too like, tall? Yes. Uh, and just chew everything. Like, I hit my head go- leaving the RV, I'm going to say, 75% of the time I left. Because it just, it's like, it's up to like my eyebrow line. It's like yeah. even ducking, you're not there. And mm-hmm. were I either two inches taller or 30 pounds heavier, I literally couldn't sit on the toilet. It is just, <laughs> there's no, like, it's not made for a person my size. The bed was too small. Like, this, these are not complaints. They gave me a discount to stay at a place, like a steep, steep, steep-ass discount uh, to stay there and get writing done. So, like, thank you very much to them. They're they're terrific. Uh, mm-hmm. I just, you know, in a perfect world, uh, I would stay at somewhere that is more suited to uh, uh, a person that is, you know, 
maybe a little north of six foot, <laughs> but like if yeah. you're like five nine, man, that place would be perfect. Hey, I'm five nine. <laughs> yeah, well, that's right. That's the only reason I said you'd like it there. Is that is well? Your yeah, <clears throat> I did live in an RV for about a year, too. So I'm kind of used to the restrictions. I, you know, it's it's not. It's just that it was a particularly small RV. The other ones that mm-hmm. were there, I feel like, would have um, worked. Also, the shower was below. The shower head was below my neck. Mm-hmm. So that was fun to try to figure out how to shower because if I squatted enough to get the water on my head, um, my knees yep. would now be touching one side of the shower and my back nearly touching the other because it's <laughs> I'm somewhat large and yeah. it's a small shower. <laughs> it became, uh, let's just say uh, I was there for, what, four or five days and, you know, I, I may have skipped a few <laughs> because it was really <laughs> fucking irritating. But no, man, the place is great. Um, awesome. It, we were in the... Um, we're by Cape Disappointment, which I took a hike through, which was really good. Uh, very pretty. I went to a Dead Man's Cove, which uh, I realized Sweet. I was walking by myself and I saw a sign that's a dead man and pointing like in a direction. I'm like, man, this is some white ass privilege right here. Like, I, like I'm a big tall guy. <laughs> like, I'm walking in the woods by myself, walking towards a sign that says you're gonna die. And I'm like, yeah, everything's good because you know <laughs> this is normal. Just, <laughs> yeah, it's just very, uh, uh, you know, it's very pretty there. It's great. Um, mm-hmm. I came to the realization that. Uh, you know, got a got a reinterpretation of how to be a writer, which was good, which mostly revolved around, I can't believe I just wasted like five days of my life and like a fuckload of driving so I could sit at a different table. It's like, I just need to write in my fucking apartment. And I was like this, like, oh, shit, it, it is as easy mm-hmm. as that. Uh, That's kind of yeah. cool. So you actually got stuff done. I did. I wrote uh, my goal going there was to finish two two of the short stories that I have unfinished, uh, work on a third. And that's exactly what I did. I, I probably did not that many words like mm-hmm. i don't know two three thousand words um yeah i mean that's not that's not horrible no no it's fine given and then, the fact that you were you've been struggling with with not writing at yeah. all for so long and i finished the two i mean the main thing is i finished the two short stories like they're not i can't they're not like ready to be read by you know publishers or anything but like mm-hmm. there there's a a very readable you know draft which i've always been good at uh Zhuzhin up a draft. So, you know, my complete brokenheadedness around writing, I've decided it's over. I even wrote one uh-huh. since I've been back, which is like, you know, all sorts of good. And yeah, there that's we are. exciting. Well, and also, you didn't end up trapped in eternal sleep forever. Mm, I don't know. Let me think about that. I'm in my apartment. Yeah, no, I didn't. Though the first night I woke up, so I never go on vacation. It's just not something uh-huh. I do because I'm, I'm both poor and uh, I don't really have the urge to wander. But the first mm-hmm. night I woke up in my apartment, I was like very disoriented because I was expecting to be in the RV. And I was like, mm-hmm. where the fuck is everything? What the hell is going on? Like, there was like a, a 20 second moment of not panic, but like very, very confused. Because like I was, I was reaching out. Uh, for something that was keeping on the kind of the nightstand area next to the next to my bed at the at the in the RV, and you have to like reach over a little plastic divider dealy, and I I was doing that in my apartment, which leads you to air <laughs> if you're doing that in my bedroom. <laughs> it just I was just reaching. I'm like, where the where's my thing? And I was very confused. I'm like, oh, did it drop on the floor? And I'm like, no, nah, it can't be at the floor. And they're like, what? That's a different floor. What the hell? Okay, I'm good. So yes, maybe I am stuck in a dream. 
Much like maybe, maybe much, much like, like Marceline and much and, like and Marceline Ash. was. Yes, yes, not for nothing. And this might be saying a little bit more about my life than than you care to know. Uh-huh. But I'm pretty sure in the past I've known someone named Ash who went by like Rag Wizard who sold me a bag of powder. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's happened <laughs> at some point. I feel like that's a pretty typical Portland story. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> this episode is uh is a really good one because we do get a little bit of the glimpse the uh, you know there there are a number of episodes that have these sort of like flashbacks to right after the mushroom war. Oh, and by the way, we are topic talking about season 3, episode 3, Memory of a Memory. Yeah, good point. We should probably tell yeah. the episode we're talking yeah. about. <clears throat> so there's a point in the episode actually the the main thing in the episode is Finn and Jake going back through Marceline's memories in order to blah, 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 blah. But they do see either the Mushroom War happening or the world in the aftermath of the Mushroom War in Marceline's memories. Because, you know, one of the things about Marceline is she is, you know, a thousand years old. A demonic hellspawn of a human and, and the king of the Nightosphere. Yeah. yeah. What, on, on that note, we, we've decided in the past that, at, you know, off camera... Marceline's mom banged Hudson Abelier, and thus Marceline was born. What is Yeah, Ash? I feel like that's just normal, isn't it? Isn't that always how babies get made? No, but generally the king of the nightosphere who survives on eating the souls of humans, you would uh-huh. think probably doesn't do much fucking. Yeah, I mean, for all we know, he's only had sex once. Oh, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, maybe yeah, yeah. that's it. But yeah. so, so what's Ash? I don't know that that's ever made clear, but he's definitely some kind of wizard. Yeah, he's like a shitty wizard, though, because he kind of looks, he looks a little goblin-y. He does look a little goblin-y, I would agree, uh, and he's got a Devilock haircut, which is the kind of haircut that the Misfits made popular. Oh, yeah, yeah, got it, got it. So maybe I was like, I know those words, I don't remember what they mean, though. <laughs> maybe he's a punk wizard. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's, that's probably exactly he's it. he's yeah. definitely a little punk. Yeah, wh- like, what a piece of shit. Uh, I know what a piece of shit. I have known like, memory abuse. I'm gonna, that's... I'm gonna, uh, I'm gonna sound totally incel here for a okay. second. But I've known like a lot of uh, friends that have fallen for partners of this level of shittiness. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, why can I not get a? Why can I not find a relationship when 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 well, the ashes of the world do? Think what of it I this way, is this. Alex. You don't want the kind of partner who falls for pieces of shit. Wait, you're telling me I don't want to date Marceline? I mean, everybody wants to date Marceline. Uh, yeah, dude. <laughs> um, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know whether, where, where, what butt your heads up, but like I'm telling you, yes, I want to date Marceline. But but you, you have to understand that like one of the things that we've been watching through these first few seasons is Marceline kind of coming back to some of her humanity, right? Like she returns to humanity because of the friendship of Finn and Jake. Yeah. She, she returns to having feelings, to to having a sense of morality, to not being a piece of shit. Because the Marceline before uh, before season one was was kind of evil or kind of didn't give a shit about what other people felt. And yeah, it wasn't a, until... She was like a trickster, Loki, coyote type character. Yeah, yeah but also she, she didn't really give a shit if she was going to cause any harm. And it wasn't until that episode with the ghosts where she realized that her trickery was going to cause irreversible harm to Finn and Jake and that's when she started being like oh crap right like I know I'm terrifyingly all-powerful but I can be a good person yeah 
I mean, so I, the Marceline, I'm just like, I, fine. Yeah. I still want to date her though, like even okay, even fine, in her but. shitty areas, because I <laughs> I can remind her of humanity with my with my soft spoken words. I'll write her a poem. She I think you need to, to have you need to have a sense of heroic bravery, like Finn, because you know Finn is so heroic and so brave that he inspires others, and I don't think either of us uh, possess that type of that kind of charisma, but, that kind of those chutzpah. Uh, he never ended up dating Marceline, though. He didn't. Ash did. Yes. So, you know, who wins okay. in the end? All right. Uh, obviously, Marceline wins in the end because she yeah. ends up with uh, with Peebs. Also, yeah, bonus, uh, immortality. That's got to be pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Especially in, like, a magical world. Like, that sounds great. So, anyway, if any uh, vampires out there are listening, you know, hook a brother up. <laughs> I mean, don't like not I with like them. How, I'm not giving you consent right now. I we need to talk about like the ins and outs because if it's like like gross, like you know your teeth are all weird and like your mouth oh, opens man, up like the strain like or something. A corpse all the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I mean like if there's like or if there's lots of murder involved, I'm not sure I'd be in for murder. Yeah, no, I mean like more like a sexy kind of vampire. Like I could I could break into blood banks and that's fine. You don't have to drink it from. No, blood. what or if it's a vampire? Eat, like, it could be a vampire that just drinks the color red like Marceline does. Yeah, color red would be great. But I mean, you know, let's talk, you can go to a butcher shop and pick up some pig's blood. You know, like if that works. I mean, I'm I'm not saying I'm gonna be a vampire, but I'm listening. I'm giving, you know, I'm, I'm opening that door, you know. I'm inviting them in, like that great Swedish movie. Or Whoa, I don't think from. you're supposed to. You can't just invite all vampires in. Not all vampires. Sexy ones that can either drink red, pig's blood, and understand the concept of consent. Which Ash does not, because he uh, is a prick. How how are the existing vampires supposed to know if those um, restrictions apply to them? Basically, you're saying they're only allowed to come into your house if they're sexy uh, if they drink the color red or drink pig's blood, like, like would be does the vampire that, right? have to self-evaluate? Yeah, I mean, everybody how, how has to self-evaluate. Ma- right, but is there like how does that how does that particular vampire magic work? Well, here's the thing: is I wouldn't want to date a human that doesn't self-evaluate. I want an introspective partner. I'm not asking about the quality of self-evaluation. I'm asking about the quality of the vampire invitation rule. Well, I mean, like, how does that yeah, work? So, like, if you're a vampire and you're sexy, I mean, that's pretty easy to figure out. Look, you know, I've been assuming you can look in a mirror. Look in a mirror. You know if you're sexy or not. Drinking Don't you think blood. all vampires believe that they're sexy? I mean, I think if you're, like, Lestat or something, you know that. Do you think Nosferatu walks around being like, gosh, I wish I was sexier, or thinking that he's not sexy? Well, Nosferatu is more like the kind of monstery, gross vampire that I want nothing to do with. I'm looking well, for, but- like, a... I don't remember the movie very well, but David Bowie's sexy, and he was in that movie, The Hunger. So, like, maybe, like, one of those. Or, or no, no. You know what I want? I want, here's what I want. I want the Lost Boys, but they can also drink just the color red and exist on pig's blood. Okay. So and also, not that dumb rule that if you kill my dad, everybody dies, because that's stupid. In that wow. movie, if you kill the king vampire, everybody dies. So here's what I want. Uh, I want a vampire. My prediction is you, wanna... have just, you have just confused every vampire into, uh, into no, I, here, never, never getting involved sim- with it's you. It's very they... simple. Vampires that are allowed in my apartment are thus. Sexy ones uh, mm-hmm. that are not going to hurt me or other humans have the choice of drinking red or, or pig's blood or something like that. And that's it. I mean, it's really, it's a, it's a short list. And then if they say, hey, we want to gift you with this immortality thing, I have some questions. Like, if you get killed, do I die a la uh, the Lost Boys? Mm. Do, we, do we stop being ensouled 
if we do this, do you know of the afterlife? If there is an afterlife, why would I sign up with this? Because, you know, immortality would suck if there's a better thing afterwards. A lot of questions to be had. But what I'm saying is I'm open to the questions. And I want to kiss Marceline on her little forehead. That's adorable. <laughs> uh, the rest of this episode. We should discuss the rest of this episode. Yeah, probably. We see Finn doing the uh, his baby song. I think for the first time, right? I believe this is the first, uh, yeah. uh, I'm a fat little baby or whatever you're saying. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I can't remember what the last line of the song is, but it's it's so good. Hold I know on, it's like, on. I'm going to punch on your bum or something like that. Yeah. And if you're if you're mean, I'll punch your bum or something. Hold on. I can find Punch all your buns, I think it is. Uh, if, you're an evil, if, an ev- if you're an evil witch, I will punch you for fun. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. He does say punch your buns a lot. <laughs> Um, your buns. That is infinitely better than any of those Eastern Star poems we read in a previous episode. Oh my God, it is. Actually, you know what? I'll read. I'll read the whole lyric so that everybody. I'll, I'll read it like it's a poem so that we can all enjoy it. Okay. Please read it. Read the uh, tough little baby poem by by Eric Arnold. <laughs> Eric wrote this, by the way. I'm a buff baby that can dance like a man. I can shake a my fanny. I can shake a my can. I'm a tough tootin' baby. I can puncha yo buns. Puncha yo buns. I can puncha yo buns. If you're an evil witch, I will punch you for fun. Hmm. <laughs> Ginsburg clap for you. Uh, beautiful. Uh, yeah, so... Yeah, I mean, so the point of the episode, we should probably talk about the episode a little bit, is yeah, yeah. Asterix Marceline into... Uh, a sleep spell so he can sneak into her mind or trick Finn and Jake in sneaking to her mind to steal mm-hmm. the memory of them breaking up because Ash yes. apparently wants to get back together. Totally understand it, dude. Just, you know, the way you're going about it. Shitty. We find out that they broke up because Ash gave away Marceline's prized teddy bear uh, mm-hmm. to an evil witch. Hambo. That's Hambo who ends Hambo. up being... Yes. Yeah, Hambo is uh, is an important MacGuffin later in the yes. series, too. Uh, yeah. I do like that... So uh, the one thing I like about the Ash thing is that it's it's not the typical stoner, like, layabout Gen X style thing where it's like, he just doesn't care. He says, oh, I sold that teddy bear that you love so much. So he is aware yeah, he knows exa- of, it's yeah. not like, oh, I didn't know you cared about it. It's not like some laid back uh, uh, Lebowski type thing. No, this is this is active jerkitude on, on display. Yeah. Well, I mean, and he because he literally says he he sold it to a witch and it's because she loved it so much that it was so valuable. Yes. Like Which, he's totally just using her emotions against her. Yeah. And he's he's got pretty shitty magic skills, even with like a fancy new wand. So, you know. Yeah, his magic is pretty wimpy. Um, It kind of makes me think he might be sort of like on the level of uh, Abracadaniel, whom I don't believe we've met yet in the show. But he's kind of apprentice level wizard because we do see that every once in a while. There's people who can use magic who aren't full wizard power, probably because they are not insane. And we know that. Remember that episode where a, Finn and Jake both learn like a shitload of magic and then oh, we never get dressed again? Dustomancy. <laughs> yeah. Um, yes. Yes. Yeah. Uh, in fact, that episode where Finn and Jake learn a ton of magic, that's like really early in season one. I think, yeah, I think it's like episode The eight. thing that's funny about it is it totally breaks so much. The, the, there's so little in there that's like Adventure Time continuity uh, oh, solid that like yeah. sticks around. Except for Bubo, the, the, the frog wizard. Who does end up showing up in later episodes when the wizards become more yeah. of a and thing. shows up in our With, our, our uh, logo? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's kind of a, that's kind of a, a funny thing. But um, 
And we also see Ash disguises himself as Rag Wizard. Yes. A wizard with no arms, who I don't think ever shows up again. Rag, Rag Wizard is just a, a one-off Ash uh, thing. Yeah. Well, there, it's possible that... Remember that episode, it, it happens later, where Finn goes into, like, the stuffed sofa world and has an entire life? I love that episode mm-hmm. of uh, Star Trek The Next Generation where Picard learns how to play the flute. <laughs> Uh, maybe yeah. there's a rag wizard in there, like a, the real rag wizard. I feel like uh, Pillow World or Sofa World would be the place. Yeah. Because there there's, there's a ragdoll princess, too. True. Yeah. And so it makes sense. Maybe rag wizard would be like ragdoll princess's uh, court uh, wizard. Yeah. So maybe yeah. Ash killed him and, like, you know, took his skin. Jeez, that's, this sounds like something we should talk to Finn and Jake about. They should probably look into this. Yeah, I, I yeah, don't no think doubt. we need to. But the important thing is that uh, Ash gets hungies at 8 o'clock. And he wants a turkey sandwich with tomato uh, and pickles. So good. What a prick. (laughs) He's such a dick. The ending of that episode was so satisfying because they foiled Ash. They beat him up. He's apparently uh, fairly invulnerable, so they can just beat on him, and he's, you know fine still and then jake does the monty python foot stomp yes that was fun uh, which I, I loved he gets kicked in 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 the ghoulies in the you in mean the, in the uh in the doing lines yeah yeah doing lines i don't know it just seemed uh something to be remarked <laughs> upon it's definitely a theme in these two episodes yeah yeah, yeah i mean that's uh that's that episode uh, I, I hold like on, it. hold on. I have oh. a little bit of uh, trivia for oh, this no, I wasn't episode. Moving on. I just meant like the uh, the recap. Oh. I, I have trivia yeah. as well, but it's probably the same one. So you go. First, uh, Ash and the Rag Wizard are both voiced by Steve G or Agee, who was Steve on Ser- yeah. S- yeah, Ag is that his name? Ag, yeah. I yeah. mean, assuming that's He's, the comedian Steve Ag, because yeah, a guy yeah, called yeah, it's that. A comedi- yeah. Okay, he yeah. was on the Sarah Silverman show, yeah, yeah, and he was AG. on yeah. Peacemaker. Yeah, yeah. And Peacemaker is such a fun show it is it is yeah. great uh highly recommend it um and then baby marceline uh was played by uh ava akers who uh was katya belyakov in agents of shield and you're not going to remember who this is katya belyakov is the the little girl with the mind control powers who is responsible for agent may's uh backstory i do remember who that is she's the one that's yeah. that's how agent may got the nickname of Calvary. Calvary or something like Cavalry. that. Yeah, Cavalry. Yeah. Oh, yeah, Cavalry, Cavalry is like where Jesus hung out. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, which is kind of cool. It means both of them uh, were on uh, superhero shows. <laughs> yeah, and I funny. think, I, I'm not sure, but I think um, Agent May, who's played by, remind me, do you remember off the top of your head? Uh, I can never remember her name. I can't remember. She was on, she was on The Mandalorian as well. She's been ever. But I think yeah. she does a voice in Adventure Time eventually. Oh, I hope so. That would be fun. I know she's done yeah, voice I know that, acting. Uh, Steve G. Ming Na Wen. Yeah, Ming Na Wen. Steve, how do you say his last name? A-G? Like like two letters, A-G, yeah. Right. So Steve A-G is our second Sarah Silverman show person that we've run into in Adventure Time, which is kind of cool. Uh, Who was the first? Uh, Sarah Silverman's sister was in one episode. I wonder, hmm, Tom Hmm. Kinney may have shown up on Sarah Silverman as well. Because Tom Kinney comes from uh, Mr. Show with Bob and David. And, and a who, lot of those people does, went to, or like, there's a there's an overlap between there and Sarah Sarah, Sarah Silverman. Oh, and Tom Kinney is the ice king. Ice king, yeah. Uh, Kenny, not Kinney. 
Oh, I thought it was Kinney. Oh, no. It's, there's a it's different, Kenny, but yeah, 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 you no, might have There's an another accent. comedian, Kinney, that I'm getting confused <laughs> with. I think one of the kids in the hall is Kinney. Ah. Yeah. Uh, Tom Kenny um, did a bunch of SpongeBob SquarePants stuff. Yeah, he's SpongeBob. Is he SpongeBob? I think so. He's either SpongeBob or like one of the other main characters. I've never seen that show. But he's oh like one God. of the I'm mains on that show. I'm looking. I'm looking right now. Yeah. Tom Kenny, he's SpongeBob. Yeah. Oh my God, I didn't realize that Ice King was SpongeBob. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Wow. Well, that's I cool. I can remember SpongeBob or like the Starfish Man. I've literally never seen an episode of that show. And speaking of Ice King, let's uh, let's do uh, um, our intermissiony thing where we have a segment because uh, the next episode is excellent. Mm. I mean, I really, really, really like the Marceline episodes, especially the ones where we get to see little glimpses of her past. One of the things that's really interesting, so Ash doesn't really show up again until the the, seas, the, the series finale. He joins uh, Gumball's army at the very end, but he doesn't really show up again. However, the thing about Hambo being sold to a witch, that is a plot element that yeah. um, that is handled, I, I think, in a future season. I don't know. We'll, we'll, it's we'll come a while. Back to it. No, we'll, I think it's like, yeah. tw- I think it might be the last season or second to last. It's, it's much later. Yeah, it's way it's way down the road. Yeah. Um, yeah, so let's do a segment. Oh, wait, wait. Let's, uh, I do have one do have... piece of trivia that I thought you were going to bring up. This You didn't okay. bring up. So when Finn's in his memory house, mm-hmm. he walks by pictures on the wall and you see Margaret oh, yeah? with other uh-huh. dogs. So uh, oh. the implication, at least according to the Wikipedia, is that Finn and Jake may have had or have other brothers. Like not just Jermaine. Yeah, not just Jermaine. Yeah. That never gets explored. Yeah, no, I mean, it's just, you know, it's implied by, uh, implied by picture. So it's not exactly the most like maybe you know, concrete the rest of, of the, Maybe the rest of their siblings um, didn't make it through the uh, Rainicorn Dog Wars. I mean, that, I, that's it's horrible, but it's probably true. Uh, all right, so let's get into. Do you have any shiny rocks for us today? Uh, I do, and I'm trying to find them. Lucocali. 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 I would say Lucocali must have something to do with being. Uh, it sounds some. It sounds like it has to do with the humor. One of the humors. Like your leukocytes or something, uh, which are blood. Is it, is it sanguine? Is it being sort of fired up and rawr? I mean, you're not a million miles off, but no. Okay, cool. Uh, How many miles off do you think It I is am? a state of feeling that accompanies preoccupation with trivial and insipid diversions. So uh, leukocali is like when you get like obsessed with like tiny things or, you know, just kind of oh. stuff that you don't need to be paying attention to at that moment. Okay, okay. All right. Uh, here, the other thing I have, and this probably won't go too much, because uh, did I ever do the um, languages from, uh, phrases in other languages that don't really work in English? Uh, you've done phrases in other languages that uh, that English should have, but I don't know if you've ever okay, done no, ones it's that a, don't right, really Well, work. This, this sounds uh, familiar. I'm not going to say the language, because I don't, it doesn't say, it's, I just found a list of these. This looks like... Portuguese, maybe? Uh, Tanto pedo para cagar aguado. Uh, and it translates loosely to so much farting for such wa- uh, watery shit. <laughs> like, it's kind of like uh, all this fuss for nothing. Yeah. So much farting for all this watery shit. <laughs> yeah. Uh, which, which, I like it. it. Yeah, yeah. It's, 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 quite, it's quite funny. There was another one I wanted to... Oh, yeah. This was the one I wanted because I want to bring this into English. So there's a Dutch expression. Zijen kat sturgen. Uh, to send Zang. one's cat, it mm. means not showing up. So, like, everybody's present for the meeting, but Tom sent his cat in. 
<laughs> like, yeah. So, like, uh, are you going to go to the party? Nah, I don't know. I'll just I'll send I'm my cat. I'm sending my cat. Yeah. Which I think is a really, really fun thing. Yeah. Uh, the I-J in Dutch is pronounced I. So, Z-I-J-N is Zijn. Okay. Yeah, I don't know. Dutch is a mystery to me. Um, when it's spoken, I'm like, oh, it's kind of German. But then when I look at it, I'm like, uh, fuck if I know. <laughs> <laughs> I've always enjoyed Dutch. It's it's one of the languages that I've studied a little bit of. I'm not super good at it, but um, uh, okay, I can read one it last... and sound like a German person reading Dutch. Yeah. <laughs> one last one, uh, a Finnish word, uh, which is kalsarkanit, uh, K-A-L-S-A-R-I-K-A with the two dots at N-I-T. It is uh, drinking by yourself in your house in your underwear with no intention of going out. And the, the translation is, is literally uh, underpants being drunk. Underpants being drunk. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that is um, something that I do enjoy doing on a really hot summer day. Yeah, yeah. Like underpants drunk got, is great. Yeah. If I've got the makings of a gin and tonic and I've got like an, a, a pint glass in the freezer that I can just get super, super cold and I can fill it all the way up full of ice and then make a gin and tonic in it and just slouch on the couch in my underpants and yeah. watch Adventure Time. It's the best way to watch I, um, I Just one small thing. And I, I'm, I'm never, okay. I'm not one to correct people on the way they say stuff or whatever, but that was the largest amount of words you could have used there. You said the makings of a gin and tonic. Those are the, the ingredients at the end of the sentence. <laughs> You just said, if I had gin and tonic. The makings of a gin and tonic include gin, tonic, gin, tonic water, limes, oh, ice you, cubes. Oh, you want limes. Like, okay. All of the makings. I need the makings. It's not just two ingredients. What kind of barbarian do you think I am? Uh, someone that drinks gin and I'm tonic. already going to be drinking a G&T in my undies. Man, <laughs> <laughs> no, I... Uh, I had, I had all the makings of vodka soda. <laughs> vodka. Yeah, soda. which is like a glass, ice cubes. I guess I just imagine, I don't imagine a world in which you don't have a glass or ice cubes is why I find it funny. Oh, I've been in that world. Oh, right. You know, I, I, I lived in an RV. You didn't have glasses in your RV? Oh, no, not glass glasses, just cups. Oh. And, you know, ice cubes were tough to get. You know, they, they weren't just like automatic. I can't, I don't remember if the freezer in the RV worked. <laughs> Yeah, so you had like a shitty RV on top of. On top of it was in 1975 <clears throat> Winnebago Itasca, all right? It was old. It was old. It was older than you. Yeah. Well, 1975, so that was. So you... Oh, wait, it might have been a 74. It was older than me. Yeah, so 74. You were, what, 15, 16 years old? So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm in, in 74. I'm, in, I'm intimating you're quite old. Ah, uh, ah, uh, that's. <laughs> I wish. Hey, speaking, someday, someday. Speaking of segues, let's talk about the next episode, Hitman. Oh, Hitman, which is an episode that Jesse Moynihan helped to write. Um, I kind of feel like, in a way, I can sense uh, it's a Jesse Moynihan episode by the level of weirdness in it. Yes. Um, but there's also, one of the things I, I really enjoyed about this episode, one of the things that, because, I mean, first of all, it's it's solid. The main story is a pretty solid episode. But the side story, the side story that brings into focus one of the questions of the Adventure Time universe, like, where do they get meat? <laughs> yeah, that was gross. <laughs> because I don't know if we ever discover who Meat Man is. I'm, I'm going to go look on the, on the wiki right now. I mean, the important see. question is, do you think it hurts Meat Man when he gives us his meat? <laughs> I don't know. That's, that's the, that's, I just that's... love that. Okay, so we know that uh, my feeling is Meat Man is probably part of the hot dog kingdom. 
Well, so okay, here's not to get gross, but I mean, technically okay. everyone is a meat man. Right, but you don't just turn into cold cuts or have the ability to, like, I don't know, peel cold cuts off of you. Oh, God. You think Meat Man shows up at the treehouse and, like, peels cold cuts off of him or, like, slices them off with, I don't know, like a cheese cutter or something like that, and they just get, like, a pile of Meat Man slices? Yeah. I think he probably screams while it happens. But it's the only way he can make money. (laughs) She's like, hey, what do you need? Uh, Yeah, I need a pound of you. Oh, fine. Ah! He just shoved his arm in one of those uh, slicers from the deli. Oh, it's so awful. Yeah, it's uh, it's a really horrific thought, and I'm glad that this show brought it to our attention. Hey, speaking of horrific things, uh, this is an actual Uh thing. Uh, We we start this episode in the Breakfast Kingdom, and uh, the Ice King is stalking a breakfast princess who is having breakfast in bed, which is mildly confusing because she is. What's that? With the Toast Princess, her sister. Yes. And which is weird because they're somewhat cannibalistic. Um, Well, except candy people eat candy. Do they? Yeah. And they make everything out of candy. I know they make it. I don't remember. Did they eat? Do we see candy eating candy? We see candy eating candy. I'm pretty sure we do. The only thing I can think of is gum is a lemon grab. I think we see candy eating candy. I, th- I mean, I'm sure you're right. I just can't pull an example f- from my head. But anyway, this is where I'm driving yeah. at, though. Ice King shows up. He's he's being a creep. Uh, so uh, Breakfast Princess calls up Finn and Jake to show up, and they ground mm-hmm. him. And it is a lovely sequence that somehow oh, they talk him into being grounded. But it's he, Finn refers to him as, get out of here, bubble butt. And... Mm-hmm. Dude, sure enough, he's got no, but he's got cheeks like he, they, they they got him uh, shiny, stacked. shiny, bubbly yeah. cheeks. Yes, yes, uh, which, he literally is a bubble butt. Oh, that reminds me. Have I used this word on the show before as a shiny rock? But uh, Calipagian? No, uh, Calipagian uh, is like having like a really nice, big, juicy butt. Yeah, yeah. I knew that word. I knew that one. Sure, you did, Smarty. It was in there there somewhere. Um, Yeah, so the the thing, Grounding Ice King is such a... Uh, an excellent way for Finn and Jake to deal with them, right? Because we it's well established that Ice King is stupid powerful. Like, Ice King has just ridiculous levels of magical power and, you know, can easily, easily defeat Finn and Jake if his head were on straight and he really wanted to. And so watching that happen, watching them just use his madness against him like that, I thought was a really, really clever way to defeat him. Yeah, it's all. Yeah, but I mean, it's also it's it's a little bit kind of taking advantage of the elderly and the infirm. I mean, the man's you know he's like an old man with dementia. They're not. They're they're protecting themselves. Yeah, but are they're they, protecting people? I guess, but I mean, you know, who's protecting the Ice King? He doesn't need protecting, which is which we discover in this episode. He's pretty good at surviving on his own. He's a lonely old man that just just wants friendship, and what they do is they go <laughs> go back to your lonely mountain kingdom. I think it's mm-hmm. I think it's a little harsh. Dare I say, cold of them. Now, honestly, every time Ice King leaves his uh, mountain kingdom, he tries to kidnap a princess. And they don't have any way of really stopping him. So grounding him and making him Mm. stay home is a really, really good way to do it. Because they're not going to kill him. They can't lock him up. I know that there is a time that they fool him. They trick him into being locked up, but it's, it's fake. Like he, They just have to trick him to be someplace and stay somewhere. In order to protect the princesses. Yeah, I mean, they probably, but what they could do is maybe get some, like, cardboard princesses, like, 
you know, like models and put them in and just talk them in, you know, talk them into thinking that's a real Wait, princess. So you're saying just sacrifice cardboard princess, just said send cardboard princess to be. Yeah. Take one for the team. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's exactly what I'm saying. Get in there. One of the things I love about this episode is we learned that Lumpy Space Princess is Ice King's least favorite princess. I mean, it makes sense. She's really irritating. Yeah. yeah. She is. She is. Yeah, let's get back to uh, bubble, uh, his, his bubble book. I'm gonna I'm gonna open a beer. I want you to see it first. Though. Okay. This beer is Hail Eris. Oh, nice! Oh my god, it matches my nails. <laughs> that was an accident. This beer was brewed, um, I think, back in 2020, and it was brewed by uh, my friend Matt Anthony, who has Witch Dog Brewing up in Tacoma. And um, it's a oh god, it's a weird, weird beer. It's a uh, it's flavored like apple. A Berliner Weisse with blueberries and marshmallows. Uh. So it's but it's uh, but it's old now and it's had a lot of time to bottle condition, so it's kind of cloudy. It's kind of pink, which is strange. It is uh, it is fairly tart now, so it's kind of lost a lot of the um, the the fruity sweetness, and uh, and sometimes it opens as a complete disaster. So we're just going to see um, how does that. Oh, let me. I better do the turning. Yeah, trick. the better call Saul can turning trick. I'm doing it right now. I'm turning. Yeah, so we we were doing this on an episode I was editing recently, and we never, I didn't, we didn't tell anybody. And I'm like, man, this makes no sense. There's an episode of Better Call Saul where um, a guy has a shaken up can of Coke, and uh, Howard Hamlin decides to put it on the counter and spin it like three times, spin it Wittershins three times, and it stops the uh, carbonation from exploding when you open it. But you and I did this on the show, and we didn't describe it. And I'm like, man. I wonder what somebody listening to our program that hasn't seen Better Call Saul <laughs> or listened to me prattle a lot about it before, what the fuck are they thinking is happening right now? <laughs> I mean, it's a good trick. It works pretty well. Yeah, I mean, it's a great trick, yeah, but now, so, now you know audience yeah. at home will never explain it again. Okay. Yeah, we might explain it every single time. Because if I go Last over to Alex's... If, if we record at Alex's house, uh, which we usually do, I bring beer over, and since I walk, it gets kind of shaken up in my backpack. Okay, too much backstory on beer. Yeah. Hold on. Let's see how this tastes. Oh, God. That is such a good beer. It's so weird. I love it. <laughs> well, hail Aris. <coughs> hail Aris. Hail, hail, hail Callisti or whatever. So, so they browned Ice King, which is what sets everything in motion. Because it turns out that even when Ice King is at home grounded, he can still cause way too much trouble. Yeah, him having an internet connection is both confusing and a really bad idea. Yeah, I mean, we see internet connections uh, happen all over the place in Ooh. I'm not really sure who does it or why there's still internet or or how that works. Because uh, it doesn't look like normal internet. It's probably TCP it, IP, princess. <laughs> um, or maybe it's magical. Or I mean, we've learned that AWS princess. We do learn that there is a, a weird overlap between magic and technology later on. Like some things that uh, appear to be magic are just really advanced technology. But I think also the internet thing um, mostly shows up in wizard houses, possibly. Yeah, I can't remember. I know we saw Jake with his electronic magazine that one time. True, true, true. Let me see. But anyway, the point is, when he is... Yeah. On the internet, he orders a, a hitman. Named Scorcher. Named Scorcher. 
But what what he doesn't understand is he thinks it's a hitman to go and like literally give him a little slug on the arm, like uh, he's going to mm-hmm. hit them. Uh, what he actually hires is a uh, a soulless killing machine that tries to burn oh Finn and Jake to death, and he arrives a in a cloud of black machine. smoke. It is yeah, it's fucking horrific. Oh my god! Sort of like some sort of weird mummy isn't the right way to describe him. He's bandaged like a burn victim or something like that with these searing eyes yeah. that actually have little flames coming out of them. Yeah, it's he very makes like, contract um, to. Pe- like Persian or like Middle Eastern, kind of like an Afrit or like a yeah, like yeah. A he totally feel, yeah. yeah, yeah. And I think he must be something like that, you know, because he conjures contracts out of nowhere was, and you have to sign him and stuff. I was expecting and, you to know this from. I wait, let me rewrite that. I was expecting this to be a D- Dungeons and Dragons thing that you were going to tell me about. So it sounds like this it's isn't, not a Dungeons and Dragons thing oh, that okay. I know yeah. of. Um, I honestly, I don't know where he came from, but I, I think he's an, an amazing character oh, yeah, the design's and fucking a cool terrifying yeah. character yeah 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 just the fact that he like he floats kind of and he's got those rags and yeah it's he's so cool looking yeah and so this whole thing uh it's kind of you know one of the i, I don't know exactly what the trope is but the trope of like one person trying to prevent another person from knowing that something's going on like solving problems being like oh sorry there was nothing happening here you know like ice king just constantly trying to cover up the fact that that Scorcher is trying to kill Finn and Jake. Yeah. He doesn't realize it at first, but even when he does realize it, he, you know. And Finn and Jake having this whole just sort of like existential meat man crisis going on through the episode in the background. Yeah, uh, which is really gross. I mean, I think we covered meat man Mm -hmm. enough, but let's just... We really get to the point that like imagining... Uh, a sentient pile of meat that gives out. I'm imagining like um, Pizza the Hut from Spaceballs. Uh-huh. Like just this Java-like just thing, which is slopping yeah, pieces of them. Just, just I, I imagine salami. kind of like um, a a giant uh, rotund man creature, uh, the color of baloney, who just shows up with yeah. like a like one of those things you use to carve pieces off of a donor kebab. Oh yeah, I was about to say yeah. He's like living shawarma. <laughs> he's like living shawarma. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, God. Oh, I did, like, in uh, a small moment of this. It, so Ice King realizes that uh, the Scorcher is trying to kill Finn and Jake. So he tries bribing him off the contract by giving him extra money. But one of his bribes mm-hmm. includes, uh, like, like an animatronic deer head. <laughs> it yeah. is such a fucking <laughs> random... Like, yeah. I wish I was alive. Yeah. I want to live. <laughs> Which is great. And then, you know, they have a an amazing fight. And it's fire versus ice. Like, it's a great uh, running battle between... Uh, Ice King and the Scorcher while Finn and Jake are trying to stay alive. And Ice King has a moment of clarity where he comes up with a really good idea to save their lives by faking their deaths. Yeah. And it kind of made me think that it's we got like a little glimpse of Simon. You know, Simon's cleverness. No, I, I got because, you. I was, just, I was just wondering if yeah. I agree with that or not. Yeah. I don't know, because it, it, it is a really dumb idea, though. Like, Finn is a human. You can't just freeze yeah. a human haphazardly and then sit and then on it like a mama duck. Yeah, that's, I mean, yeah. so, yeah, I mean, yeah, it is somewhat clever, but it's also just bone jarringly stupid. Oh, it is, yeah. But, but it's a, it is still a fun uh, episode. Oh, yeah, totally. Um, we, well, I, think I love we, that uh, the, one of my favorite scenes, though, you know, when Iceman and Scorcher both, or when Ice King and Scorcher both show up is that scene where, 
Jake is pensively staring out. He's like opened up a big hatch on the top of the treehouse, and he's ha- he has his morning cup of coffee, and he's like staring out over the landscape. And his pupils are really big, and he just looks so pensive. And there's this thing where he's like, like Finn, Finn, are you awake, man? I had a dream about meat, man. <laughs> I think I'm going to stop eating meat, man. <laughs> it's kind of awesome. <laughs> Uh, it's so gross. I wish Meat Man so, had shown like, back up. Yeah. Uh, we yeah. we need to discuss. So when the episode resolves, the mm-hmm. Scorcher offers Simon a contract to say like, oh, your services are no longer needed kind of thing. Now, yeah, I have, and he signs I, it. Yes, and I have the, the, the what is on that piece of paper. I, I transcribed it for us. Echoes of past events nudge the tiller on my present course. I await its, wrong its, reflection mm-hmm. in the future. Yeah. And then a signature line. What the fuck does that even remotely mean? Even on like a meta I, level. What the fuck is that? I feel like I know what that means. Oh, please. Okay, so echoes of past events uh, refer to uh, Princess Bubblegum turning um, Gumballed and the other two people into uh, idiot candy people with the dum-dum juice. Okay. Nudging the tiller on his present course is uh, probably referring to the fact that Scorcher ends up on Gumball's side, on the bad guy's side, in the final battle. Although, Scorcher abandons Gumbald when, uh, when Golb shows up. Yeah. That's my interpretation of it. I mean, I don't, I don't have a better one. I think that's necessarily what it meant. Yeah. I don't think that they had all that planned out in season three. No. So I don't think that's necessary. But... When I look at it, that's... But but here's the thing. There were two pieces of paper. The first piece of paper, the one that Ice King signed, that showed his signature, and he signed it. It looked like K-L-K-I-G. Oh, uh, yeah. I didn't I didn't freeze frame that one. I freeze framed the other one because it looked yeah. like... Uh, and then yeah. the other piece of paper, like, poofs into being after the Scorcher vanishes. So, yeah, I guess uh, the, I love how enigmatic and weird that note is. I, I'm sad that it doesn't end up being more significant because Ice King just tosses it away. Like, he doesn't give so a shit. I, He's like, whatever. There's... Th- it rings familiar to me that I think this is brought up again, or these words are brought up on the show. I don't know why, hmm. but like, cause it's, I don't, I don't think I would have remembered it from the last time I watched this episode, but it's yeah, anyway, let's, let's the audience know, keep your ears open that this might show up in the next um, six seasons. <laughs> but also just think about the writer's room of like, all right, guys, we've got this kid show. We're finished the episode at the end, the, the transdimensional assassin fireman uh, poofs out of existence and leaves a note behind. What do you think should the no- should be on the note? Oh, here I got it. Echoes of past. <laughs> you, know, so you know, you know that that's that's got Jesse Moynihan written yeah, all totally. over it. Yeah. Like that is totally a Jesse Moynihan note. I know that he wrote that. I'm certain. I, mean, I don't I guess I don't know no, but I feel certain. I I believe you to be correct. That this feels very Jesse Moynihan e. Yeah, and so I mean that episode. Uh, there's really only a few speaking characters. Uh, the Breakfast Princesses are voiced by one of the. Um, voice actors that they use for princesses all the time. Uh, and then it's just, uh, you know, the three main characters. Yeah. Uh, also, we Which got- is easy because Scorcher never speaks. Oh, did we talk about... Oh, God, I didn't write down the name. What's the name of the, the mecha uh, uh, hitman hitman? Blastronaut. Blastronaut. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which turns out it's just a goblin in a mech suit. <laughs> Yeah, it's just a tiny little goblin in a mech yeah. suit. Um, and that's literally a goblin. It's so funny because, like, 
Scorcher is something that we don't see anywhere else. Like Scorcher has got to be some kind of demon or something. Um, but so so there are sometimes just those sort of like creatures that are just one-offs. But then there are goblins. We know there are goblins. Yeah. There are goblins all we over the place. So yeah. that's just kind of funny. Um, I big props to Tom Kenny for saying mm-hmm. boing loings so many times. Boing loings. Boing that's really that's a tongue twister right there. <laughs> it is, but I love also that um, it worked. He had to say it so many times that finally Scorcher looks. Yeah, <laughs> he's like, "What the hell are Boing likes?" <laughs> yeah, fun time. <laughs> but uh, apparently, that phrase is going to. This is the first time that phrase is used in the show, and it'll show up again. I don't have anything else on this one. I don't either. Um, should we uh, vote for our favorite supporting character? Nicely remembered. We should. And my vote, yeah, please, ha- please, is for the uh, mouse in Marceline's uh, dream house, where there's a scene where Finn and Jake uh, show up. They crawl into a new memory, and there's a close-up that's just there's a, there's a close-in shot that's just Finn, Jake, and this mouse, just their heads. They're all about the same size, having a conversation about what to do next, and the mouse just sits there and looks at him. And then they go on. I mean, to it's it's a, it's a it's an absolutely strong strong contender for best uh, not major character. And the other one has to be Blastronaut. Yeah, that's Blastronaut was the one that I was that you were going to pick. Well, Blastronaut, or I think technically Hunts and Abadir would count as the kind of a minor character. Oh, we didn't even talk about Hunts and Abadir. I mean, yeah, there's that flash. Oh God, I was so excited. I mean, I you know it's it's Hunts and Abadir eating Marceline's fries. Yeah, as as shown in the song "Daddy, Why Did You Eat My Fries." Yeah, and uh, and he he did have a line. So that was um, Marceline's dad uh, and the actress's dad. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> the Olsons. It was the Olsons yes. or whatever they're called. Uh, Olsen is the last um, name. I can remember the first name, though. Yeah. Yeah. Me neither. Uh, Olivia Olsen and her dad. Oliver. Um, but <laughs> Oliver. Yeah. Yeah. That's got to be it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I would. Shit. I got to vote for Hunts and Abadir then. He deserves an award. Yeah. He does. Uh, he was true to character. Yeah. Creature of pure <laughs> evil. Gotta love him. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. I think Baby Finn would also be worth voting for. Yeah, but I mean, technically, he's it's still Finn. He's a mean. Though that would, yeah, that'd be fine, but like, yeah. I, yeah, technically, it's still Finn. Uh, if he wasn't singing, I think maybe we could have argument that it's a minor, minor character. But true, yeah. true, true. So let's do a thing we like to call what have you been reading, doing, looking at, and vibing, cartwheeling <laughs> over uh, lately. Uh, I've been reading a book that I've been enjoying a lot. Uh, it's called The Hemlock Cup. It's by Bettany Hughes. Um, Bettany Hughes is sort of a, she's an, she's an archaeologist who ended up being kind of one of those, like a celebrity scientist sort of person. She hosts a lot of like archaeology, uh, TV shows and stuff like that, uh, out of BBC stuff. Um, and the book itself is about Socrates' world. So it talks about Socrates and the life of Socrates, but also tries to kind of like paint a picture of uh, Greece at that time in the in the 5th and 4th centuries uh, BCE. And um, I'm really enjoying it. I'm, I am learning a lot, uh, but also she's a really excellent author who does just kind of a really good job painting the world. And uh, so, yeah, I'd recommend it. Anybody who's kind of interested 
uh, I'd say it's 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 written for an audience that knows very little about Plato and Socrates. So if you are totally ignorant of ancient Greece, uh, in up to you know, yeah, any level, it's just it's a fun one. Done. No. How about you? I have been reading the first law books by Joe Abercrombie, which I've been enjoying. Mm-hmm. But uh, if anybody's read those books, and or if you're going to be reading those books, uh, I have something to bring up. This motherfucker uses grimace, grimaced, grimacing 1,500 times a book. He is fucking obsessed with that word, and it is driving me up a tree. There's a, there's a word that I like called there... batology, which is a wearisome <laughs> overuse of words. He, he, this is batology on the highest. It is. I, I literally thought of how I could get it from my Kindle to a doc X mm-hmm. so I could do control F and count how many instances of it is because there's, it is fucking constant. And I only noticed that because the first book I listened to on audiobook and the guy pronounced, he goes grimacing. Like he just said it slightly. The, the emphasis is in like a slightly weird. different spot. Yeah. Um, and then I was like, Oh, that's weird. And then I just noticed they used it again and used it again. And you just get like, Oh my God, this guy's fucking obsessed with this word. Get a fucking th- th- thesaurus, dude. But I, I mean, the books are very good. This is such a minor, minor thing, but I picked up on it. And mm-hmm. I'm like, I want someone to, I want someone to agree with me. This is. <laughs> Do you feel like every time you hear that word now, you grimace a little bit? Uh, no. And, and the, the actual follow-up question has to be, did you go to McDonald's and get like the grimace anniversary shake? I almost no, but I almost didn't post about this problem because uh-huh. I'm like I don't want to sound like I'm like some kind of fucking uh, Gen Z kid doing like a dumb TikTok thing about grimace. No, it just happened to be during this grimace debate. I'm reading a book that says grimace a million times. Oh, also really quick, uh, I saw Guardians of the Galaxy three finally. Oh, how was uh, it? How it was, was it? really good. Um, suffers from the every movie has to be really fucking long thing that happens lately, but. Uh, he really turned down the Marvel does that thing where, and I think probably Guardians of the Galaxy started it, where it uh-huh. it ruins emotional moments by making a dumb joke at the end of it. And yeah, he yeah. turned that down a lot. Like he let you like really sit oh, with good, the emotions good. of the piece. And I, I really liked That's it. Nice. Um, the, I got choked up a couple of times. Like it's, it's mm-hmm. really good. And uh, the character, the character arcs that they bring you through feel really earned. There's not, there's a couple of spots mm-hmm. where, I'm trying to board this in a way that doesn't spoil anything. There's a couple of spots where a lesser movie would have done it this way. And it seemed like uh-huh. it was going that way. And they didn't do it. They went it. They went in a more natural, like, just, yeah, it was really fulfilling. Uh, yeah. Totally worth it. Um, the, the high evolutionary is the villain of the beast. And he's, Oh really? Is he, what is What color is he? Uh, well, he's a black dude. He's, he's actually the black guy from peacemaker, the, the leader of his team. Really? Well, not the same character, but the, the that actor. Right, right. Um, oh, man. But he's wearing okay, like that's a, cool. He's a great he's actor. He's wearing like a purple suit with like a purple headband uh-huh. thing. Um, okay. Does he have the the big the fin on the top of his head? No. And stuff he just and... looks like he just looks like a guy a little bit. Uh, but okay. He, I, I don't know if you've seen pictures of the High Evolutionary in the comics, but he's a pretty ridiculous I, looking character I, in the '90s. But I don't. I, it's not fresh yeah. in my mind. Um, <laughs> but yeah, yeah, it's super. Yeah, he does a great job. He's a really good villain. It's like. Uh, um, I kind of wish like he was he I kind of wish he was Kang, you know, like Kang's the next uh-huh. big guy. I'm like, no, this guy's this yeah. this actor's fucking terrifying. Like he does some he does some really good work. Well, High Evolutionary is is a is a major opponent. Yeah, I kind of remember so... that. And Chris Pratt, who I've been down on for quite some time, he fucking he put in the performance like he decided to show mm-hmm. up and really like there's a spot where he's like really upset about something. And 
dude showed up on set. Like he was there for it. Like he was screaming and Sweet. crying and like, yeah, it was, it was, I mean, it's, it's kind of easy acting because it's like one emotion and you just go, you know, you go, you can go full ham mm-hmm. on it, but it's nice to see him commit instead of just this kind of phone it in. I'm a, I'm a kind of handsome adventure guy actor. Like he actually really, he did the work and it was cool to say. So what you're saying is props to Pratt. Props to Pratt. Exactly. That is what I'm saying. Excellent. And Zoe Saldana, right. uh, really knocked it out of the Zoe Saldana? Uh, Gamora. Oh, right, because they've got, like, alternate timeline Gamora, right? Yes, and she plays it yeah. different enough, and the way she plays it different enough, it feels like a different character, which is hard to pull off, because, you know, it's yeah. the same character, but it's not the same character, and she mm-hmm. really, she lands it super well. So, yeah, anyway. Uh, cool. So, yeah, good job, Mr. Gunn. Uh, I, this this made me nice, uh, nice. excited to watch her DC stuff when that starts happening. That sounds like two strong recommendations, one book, one movie. Well, the and, book of the uh, law a, is three books, and a cartoon. Fair, so, yeah. The Book of the Law? Yeah, that's the Joe Abercrombie thing I was talking oh, about. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. Oh. No, it's not the Book of the Law. It's the, that's Crowley. Sorry, the first, yeah. the first it, law trilogy. The first yeah, law. Yeah. Okay. Well, no, no. I mean, I had a book recommendation. So yeah, I guess but mine, mine was two... awesome. Mine is excellent. No, those are some weird philosophical crap. I only read Whatever Plato for, like for Atlantis shit. theory. People, people come to this podcast because they want to hear the smart things that I'm doing. I think people come so they want to hear me say dumb dick jokes about it. Uh, no, oh that is why we're. That is why maybe they they can yeah, come from. Maybe this isn't the podcast they come to for the smart things. Yeah. Well, no, it's, it's uh, no, no. Your book actually sounded interesting because I was just I recently been um, I was on this like Atlantis kick uh, like last month. Long story short, I was in my mind of Plato because he was the one that it's the only reference to Atlantis from back in the day. It's Plato. Mm-hmm. Um, and, he, and it's so fucking obvious he's using it as a metaphor that he's not really talking about a city that sunk. Like, it's it's so yeah, yeah. fucking obvious. And it was like, because I hadn't read that shit in so long. I'm like, maybe I'm misremembering. Maybe he actually does sound like it's a real thing. It's like, no, that is 100%. Like, also, th- that other guy didn't think humans used to have four legs and four arms. That's, that's a fucking metaphor, dude. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. No, no, please go ahead. I have an I'm Atlantis just being, question for you. I have an Atlantis yeah. question. Since you've been on such an Atlantis kick, uh, are there any favorite uh, Atlantis theories or Atlantis hunting things that you have just really enjoyed looking into? Sort of. I'll tell you this one uh, that I think is it, it's kind of interesting. It's more fun. There's one of the Atlantean type things. You know, there's Atlantis, there's Lemuria, mm-hmm. there's Mu, there's uh, right, Shambhala right. or whatever the other one is. Like, there's a, there's a lot. Uh, high Brazil, like, the whole thing. I was in one of the online researches. It was somebody was talking about how they're channeling information from Lemuria, one of the lost continents. Uh-huh. And they were referring to Lemuria as, as, you know, that's the name of this place. Which I happen to know. The Lemuria, uh, that term was uh, coined by a biologist named Philip Schrader. Now, it might not be 100% on uh-huh. the last name, but it's pretty close to that. And it's called Lemuria because he noticed that on either side of, like, Madagascar, uh, where there's low kind of uh, uh, ocean thing, you find uh, bones of lemurs. So as a biologist, he proposed that that used to be above sea level, and that's how they got to both sides. I love and that. And thus it's Lemuria. It's lemuria. And oh my God, people, I love that so much. New Age people I love connected that. to it, uh, that it's like this big thing. And like, really, it's a biology. I mean- there's probably people screaming at home that I got that slightly wrong, but that's that's very uh-huh. much the gist of the of the thing. Yeah. 
No, I, I really, yeah. really, I love that. Okay, uh, can you tell our audience where to find yes, us? Yes, you can find us at WizBiz Podcast on uh, Twitter and on TikTok and on Instagram. And uh, yeah, that's about it. I mean, oh, and Twitch and... Uh, oh, we also have a website. Yeah, we have a website. Wizbizpodcast.com. Uh, 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 we sort of have YouTube, though I don't think it's been set up yet, but... Uh, uh, I might have finished that. It, we might be set up on YouTube. Uh, go and check. We might have a video up yeah. there. Um, oh, uh, and also, if you go to whizbizpodcast.com slash subscribe, it will tell you how to subscribe to this podcast so that you get uh, new episodes in your favorite uh, podcatcher or exactly. podcast listening thing on your mobile device. Oh, and on, so, uh, on the note of uh, where you can follow us, uh, for me, I would just... Uh, if you're on Blue Sky Social, the new the new uh, mm-hmm. site from the guy that invented Twitter originally, Jack Dorsey, uh, I'm uh, Alex Bolin on there, as I am on most uh, social media sites. So if you're on there, uh, come find me because I'm really enjoying it so far. It's utterly yeah. simple. It just reminds me of you know 2010 Twitter, which is a time nice. I will, I would desperately like to go back to. So uh, yes. Uh, so I've yeah. I've been on Mastodon, and I am on. Uh, I have an Arnamancy uh, at plus on Mastodon, so you can find me there. Excellent. All right, we will see you next time. Yes, thank you, listeners. Goodbye. I'm a tough tootin' baby. I can punch your buns. Punch your buns. I can punch your buns. <laughs> <laughs>